What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Ubuntu Nutrition Podcast, episode number 15. Today, I have an amazing guest. Her name is Astrid Naranjo. I hope I'm saying that right. She is the anti-diet dietitian on Instagram and is a well-known coach and educator. I follow her. I think she's amazing. So we have a great chat today. We go a bit over time, but I promise it's worth it. So sit back, relax, and listen up. What is going on, people? So this is going to be a very quick little transition, no more than two minutes, into the actual chat with Astrid. So just to give you a little context, I did want to focus on a specific area at first, but then just going through all of Astrid's content on her Instagram and her YouTube and her website, I was like, holy shit, there's, why don't we just like rapid fire a few areas? And yeah, we spend a bit of time on each, but to be honest, there was a whole second half of this podcast where we were going to go into organic versus conventional, frozen versus fresh, artificial sweeteners. Um, but I just thought because we were, we were flowing well and it was kind of an unrelated topic that we kind of focused on, I said we'd save that. So we just hit basically, you know, behavior change, t- like strategies for remote working, lockdown, mindset, mindful eating. I mean, I know I've been hitting that a lot recently, but this was unbelievable. So Astrid's a uh, decorated coach. She's written articles for uh, the Alan Aragon Research Review. She's very well respected in the nutrition and fitness communities. And she gives me a wealth of insights and hopefully she will give you guys as well. And some of the things you would have heard before, but she just gives a little bit of a twist on them. But yeah, so, so Astrid's in Australia. So at the time of this recording, it was 6.30 a.m. in the morning for me. And I actually, for the second time ever, stayed up all night so I wouldn't miss it. So you better listen to it. And Astrid, it was 9.30 over in Australia. So we both made some sacrifices to make it work. So I hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, so we are live. So thanks so much for coming on, Astrid, to the Ubuntu Nutrition Podcast. That's such a pleasure for me. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So Astrid is currently in Australia, and I am in America, so we are pretty much on the opposite side of the day. It is 6.30 in the morning, and it's 9.30, I believe, in Australia, right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so... Astrid made a lot of accommodations to, to hop on. So I'm really, really grateful for that. So would you just tell us before we dive in, I suppose, to the content, Astrid, a bit about what you do currently, the current projects, and what you've done in the past, maybe? Yeah, sure. So uh, basically, my background is that I, I am originally from South America. So I, I can say that I studied nutrition um, for about four, five years. Uh, and I finished that at, in 2012. Then I did a little bit of private practice and teaching um, general population in, into fitness, uh, sports nutrition, general nutrition. And then I moved to Australia with the hope of doing a master's degree. 
and obviously uh, they ideally move to Australia and stay here. So basically what I did in that transition was to improve my English. And then after that, I did all my master's degree for two and a half years, did a little bit of a practice and internships in different hospitals. And then when I graduated, I basically went straight into a private hospital as a part-time dietitian. And on the, on the other part-time, I basically do online nutrition coaching. And just recently, a few months ago, I started working as a accredited practicing clinical dietitian with the Clean Health Institute. So I basically work with them in a little bit of a marketing and product development. So I do a little bit of both and research as well. So I don't know, I'm, I loving, I'm loving a lot what I do. I am really excited to see what happens over the next few, few months and years. But I do feel like the more I do things, especially the more I work with clients, and the more, like, I, I learn every day something. I am sort of in this continuous learning that, for me, is, is, that's what brings me um, so inspired. And I keep going and keep studying and every, every day looking into what do I have to learn today. And that's, I think, the cool part of what I do is that you're never, you're, you're never ready or you never know enough. You feel like you never know enough. So the more you do, uh, the more you read new things. So sometimes I even learn from my own clients, like, oh, this is something that um, you, you gotta be open to it and be um, excited to, and honest about it. So it's like, yeah, we're here to, to learn. And I, you bring your expertise, uh, you bring your, um, your knowledge, but you also want to learn and understand your client. Uh, so it's that combination of different things that makes you uh, a holistic professional, I guess. Mm. So that's me. Very well put. I love that. I love that, that you, you learn from your clients along the way. And yeah, and you kind of like tailor your practice uh, as you go. So that's, that's very, very interesting. So you're kind of, you have a, a few a few projects going on all the time. But what I am very interested in is like what you didn't mention there was your Instagram and your Instagram is obviously very, very popular. Uh, but I don't understand how you have the time to put, because your posts are so detailed. There's so much content in each post. So how do you find the time to like balance all those projects you just mentioned and the Instagram? I honestly don't know how do I do those things. I think um, I sort of have an idea of what I want to post. I, I do sort of a, an idea on a weekly basis what I want to talk about, but I don't necessarily like plan or batch create a lot of different content for a week or two. I, I, I haven't been able to do that like a, a lot of people do that. They sort of batch content, create, make a list of what, I, what are they going to post every day. I'm sort of on the go, so um, because every every day is different and things evolve very rapidly sometimes depending on the situations and um, some topics become very popular every now and then suddenly. So I guess I try to go along those lines and I'm, and I'm a little bit of a rebel, so I, I'm sort of 
or whatever is on today, whatever I feel um, I want to talk about or that I feel like it is that need that for that day or mm-hmm. depending uh, sometimes is, is what I talk about with someone that actually brings some fire in me like, oh, I think this needs to be cleared up a little bit. So it, it's just like on the go. Uh, so sometimes I have something pre-made, but I haven't got the inspiration to sort of put the little details into it. Um, but I honestly don't know how to do it. I just sort of try to find the day, the time. Usually when I'm walking my dog, I just start trying to sort of put the little details into it or when I'm exercising or sometimes I just decide to stay a little bit late at night and work on those things. I don't know. I just find the time and work on those things. Uh, Lately, I've been having a little bit of a help. Uh, Not a help necessarily, but I've recruited some interns. So some um, particular students that are sort of wanting to learn from what I do as coaching, nutrition. So they have been working with me uh, in a little project I'm creating for as a for a group coaching program that I'm sort of trying to launch at the end of the year. But basically I brought them in to create that project. But at the same time, some of them are interested in learning the skills of how to read a paper or just having someone who could be their mentor. Mm. So we, it's sort of a two way connection. So I sort of teach them, certain strategies, certain skills. And on the other hand, they, they can sometimes help me with uh, some repurposing of some, um, some of my content that I did uh, years ago that sort of tried to change the design a little bit. So it's just like modifying some of these things. And that helps me sometimes to sort of put more content uh, on a consistent basis. So that, but that hasn't, hasn't happened that frequent that just recently happened maybe two months ago so uh, before that I was still working every single day on trying to make something if I don't do that like if I don't post in a day I feel like something is missing so I feel like I need to do something today someone is someone needs to hear something on nutrition today and that's sort of my purpose for every single post if at least one person can benefit from it, learn something from it. I'm happy. That's it. I like that. I like that. I can definitely understand about the kind of like sometimes I go through and I'm just starting with my channel or my Instagram page trying to get a lot of content up there, but like I'll spend four or five hours on one post and I'm always getting told you need to post once a day at least to like get engagement from the people and actually provide them a value. Um, But like, Jeez, you, you go through waves of it, but I like the way you say that it's not, you don't have this plan. And I guess that ties into the fact that like your social media isn't your main income. Like you do a bunch of different other projects. And so you just post what you feel is needed rather than whatever you think is going to get more likes and follows. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's great. Yeah. I think it's just, a. I I I've built the, my Instagram as a, as a, a a communication channel where I sort of show up who I am um, and I try to bring my educator that is within me for the most part obviously as any sort of 
social media that helps to promote your nutrition coaching. That sort of ties, ties in sometimes um, but as, as a consequence of a secondary effect of you providing so much value that people might just want from you a little bit more than just uh, give them content. Because mm. content, information is out there and it is a lot of information. So my purpose, one is try to make it very digestible, simple. And especially because for me, I am, my English is my second language. If someone speaks very very confusing words, especially when I started learning English, um, I was like, even if this is my field, I wouldn't understand what you're saying. So I really like things that are clear, are simple, digested, and more of the, if you use a lot of analogies, that even that is even much much helpful uh, because you, you. I'm a visual person, so if I can see that in an example of a real life, that allows me to sort of understand much better the process or whatever the concept is being that is being explained. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. Cool. So on the note of Instagram, before we dive into the myth busting, uh, where it, what is the motivation behind the the name, the anti diet dietitian? It's funny because I started thinking about how can I just show that I want to work on sustainability, on habits, uh, behavior change, uh, and it's not just the mindset of being on a diet just to achieve your goals. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the reasoning behind it. I've had a lot of backlash with the name because of the anti-diet culture uh, and like a lot of people might confuse me and I get a lot of comments sometimes when I speak about dieting, reverse diet, diet breaks and stuff like that. Like how can you be an anti-diet and speak and speak about diets? And like, well, I'm not necessarily against dieting if you do it on the right, uh, adequately, with the right purpose and with the adequate strategies not just like a crash diet. So anti-diet means I am anti-crash dieting. I am anti-dieting uh, with the purpose of diet because you think that your life purpose is to lose weight. I'm against anti-diet, like I'm against diet um, for the reason that diet is not something that you should be doing all the time. And I actually think that a lot of people confuse diet with losing weight. But diet is what you eat, right? It's everything you have on your plate. Mm -hmm. is, is your routine, your culture, everything ties into your diet. But when we think about the actual word and its meaning into the, the diet culture, the fitness industry, diet means restriction means a calorie deficit so that's where i sort of my my the the, the name sort of ties in into anti-diet so okay. it's trying to explain that my concept as a dietitian is not giving you a diet to sort of live into a restriction or that the actual diet doesn't if you're dieting to lose weight 
you don't need to restrict the foods you love or be in a mindset that our foods are good or bad or like you have to completely eliminate food groups of your diet to achieve your goal so i think it there's a lot of things to explain to sort of understand why i chose that name and i sometimes i think about well whether i should change change it to just say well astrid dietitian but I don't know. I like it. And I think now that I actually thinking about it and explain it to you, it makes so much sense that I chose that name. It's just that I need to explain it sometimes to other people that they are probably going to come back saying you are promoting diets and you're anti-diet. That doesn't make sense. But it's, it's trying to understand that it's not necessarily the aspect of dieting as such. That it's more like how the how mm. so i am t diet dieting with the back of the how how you do it how you approach to how what's your approach what is your goal all of those things that makes much more sense to just think about anti-diet i don't know i'm getting confused i'm getting you, you, no, you no, get no. it makes i 100 <laughs> I, I actually love the name because um I love how anti-diet is followed by dietitians. So you're obviously an accredited dietitian. You're very, very qualified in this area. You've worked with lots of clients and you are coming out and saying, like one thing that I've realized the more and more I look into sustainable long-term weight loss literature is it's moving towards the idea of habit-based interventions and like not getting the nitty gritty, especially with very low calorie diets. It's, how can we implement habits because these habits it's about momentum and long-term adherence that's what's going to be ultimately successful so um i just think anti-diet followed by dietitian is like i'm qualified i've looked at all this area i've worked with lots of clients yet i'm still saying that we need to take not just very specific fad diets or crash diet approaches um i love it uh, but I can imagine you'll always get backlash, right? You'll always get backlash. But like you say, when you do advocate a diet, you advocate it in cases where the goals are the goals are right. Like people aren't doing it just to look good next week for to fit into a dress or to fit into you know what I mean. So sorry, I'm rambling as well. It's it's early for me. <laughs> but, I guess I guess it's trying to sort of understand the the real why. Sometimes when you speak with a client. You ask, well, why do you want to lose weight? And they tell, well, I just want to look better. Um, you know, my, my dress, uh, my clothing uh, just needs to feel, it feels tighter. So I just wanted to fit back into those clothing. Mm. Um, and I like, is that the only reason? Like, is it your real why? Like, why do you want to fit better in those dresses? Well, because I just feel that my confidence has gone down. Uh, I don't feel like I have, I, I am as powerful when I step into stage or when I work, uh, when I go to work. Um, why do you don't feel confident? So you start sort of going into more when you get these answers. And then the, you, the, you start getting the person to discover why, what is the real driver for them to actually want to lose weight. Sometimes they don't even know it. Until, until you actually get them to talk to you about that deeper 
why the deeper drive. So uh, it is amazing to just sort of, if you have a true why that convinced me, that is her, something that you want to actually use it as, as your driver, that's going to be much more powerful for you to stay consistent and adhering to your plan than just wanting to lose weight to, to look good. Because at the end of the day, um, people around us don't care how you look. Uh, sometimes you lose weight or you gain weight and the people that really care about you, they don't even notice that. Or if they notice that it's something that they don't care about, sometimes even if you actually some people that were very, very fit and very shredded and they gain some weight back, they actually become nicer and people are you're actually more enjoyable now because you can eat other things, you're more sociable. Um, and people that are very shredded and restricted in their diet, they are not very nice because they have to be in that shelf just because if they get step a little bit out of that, it's so easy for them to have that, that lost. They, they get lost. So you know what? This, yeah. is, this is crazy. So yeah. And they're also fucked as well because they're barely eating. <laughs> they're also yeah. just dead. You know, they have very little energy. That's the downsides of going on these low calorie diets and getting shredded is like, you're going to feel like shit most of the time. It has its, it, it has its time. Like if you're prepping for a show, um, that's fine. You will have to do that eventually to look good and when it's just step on stage. But the, the point is you are unlikely to maintain that body fat percentage, that single digit body fat, because that's not necessarily something you, you can sustain on a very long term uh, if you don't use a lot of discipline um, willpower um, a lot of different strategies to keep you there and sometimes it's not healthy overall for your metabolism for your hormone health for your mental health everything ties in into you gotta find a healthy place to be that allows you to be healthy physically hormonally mentally metabolically and allows you to be happy as well so it's not to be obese or let yourself go, but actually find a place when, where you can let yourself live. So, yeah. I like that. I like that. Where you can let yourself live. I really like that. Yeah. Like, uh, something I always tell people is, I mean, it's very damaging now when you go on social media and you see these models that are very, very, they're shredded or they're very skinny, but what people don't understand is they're probably working with someone and they're, that's their peak that photo shoot that you're seeing that you're unconsciously, even if you don't admit it, that you're unconsciously working towards and comparing all of your progress to it's that's their peak. That's their photo shoot. They're getting paid for that. You know what I mean? And I mean, that's the majority of cases. There's obviously exceptions to that, but people, yeah, that's, that's the damaging thing about social media. I just, it's, I like that where you can live, but anyway, We'll get into the actual content now. Okay. I, feel like, I feel like we have a bunch of content already. That's, that was a great chat. Um, so obviously going down through your Instagram, I was like, geez, we could talk about, and we went back and forth a few times with questions, but instead of just focusing on one area, I was like, all right, let's just do a myth busting session with Astrid and we can hit a bunch of different ones. Cause I think people get the most enjoyment out of that as well. And they're like, wow, I yeah. didn't know that. Sounds good. Cool. So with uh, COVID, 
the coronavirus um, all around us, it's affecting everyone in the world. Multiple countries are transitioning back into lockdown. So my home country, Ireland, uh, they've just gone into a full lockdown again. I know there's a couple of countries in Europe. I think Australia are faring pretty well right now, but um, yep. yeah, yeah, you're doing, you guys are doing great, are you? At the moment, we, we are. Okay. We were not very good a few months ago, but we're back on track. So gotcha. we're good. Okay. So a big concern with a lot of people that reach out to me is being at home in close proximity to food all the time, not having a structure, um, not having like a lot of self-control and ultimately gaining some weight. Um, so if you just had a, f a few quick fire kind of tips or just suggestions, some advice towards those people um, that are going into lockdowns and at home, remote working and things like that, maybe you could just shout out a few. Yes, of course. So for me, one of the most important things, especially if you are in a, in a situation where you're unable to go out, um, if you have the opportunity to at least go for a short walk, like so I think sometimes for some countries or the most of the countries you have um, like outdoors exercise allowance for an hour or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I would say make the most out of that particular time that you can exercise that you, 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 you use exercise, not just as a way to burn calories or anything like that, but more so as a way to utilize it for mental health, for meditation, for just going outside, getting some exposure to sunlight for vitamin D for refreshment to connect with the, with the earth, with the nature, or just simply to get out of the home environment, because that sometimes is what you need to sort of get some headspace, your headspace back um, onto when you go back to, to your house. It's like, okay, now what I do. So the other things I would suggest is if especially with food and concerns about weight gain is to be really mindful and continue to have a structure that you can sort of respect and have like, that, that, that can be your like highlights, um, not, not highlights, sorry, your like your bright lines, where it's sort of just, you impose your own rules that you know you can stick to. Like if, for example, you can stick uh, with a, a range of time where you can respect, like let's say breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, and you can sort of maintain the timing. Um, if you're going to eat, uh, usually for breakfast, you're going to have, uh, your breakfast at 8 a.m. You can have a range of time, but try to respect that sort of a structure that would allow you to to know when you have to eat, and that is also signs giving you the signal to your body that nothing is actually changing very much when it comes to your your habits and your routine and your rhythm, circadian rhythm. Uh, so your body knows when to ask you for food and when not. The other thing is to be a re bring a lot of mindfulness when you sit down, and when you're out of out of your time for sitting down and eating, actually bringing some slowing down, bringing some intention to the meal, trying to actually think about um, how hungry you are, how do you want to enjoy your food, and this sometimes helps to sort of be more in tune with your hunger and satiety levels and that can help 
to be more mindful of the portion sizes, how much you eat, and sometimes be able to say, I'm full, I'm good, I'm satisfied, is enough. So it is important to also know that you don't have to eat everything that is put in your plate. You can eat it later. Some people feel like they, they have to eat everything and leave the plate, plate empty. And if they don't eat everything that is on their plate, they feel guilty. And that's probably something that some people struggle with. So perhaps the, the best option for them is try to serve their, their food in a smaller plate or smaller serves. And if they want more, they can go and have more. Or otherwise, if they leave something in the plate, just save it for later and they can have it later on. There are so many things that I could also talk about, especially when it's managing cravings. Uh, we are anxious. And if you're at home, bored, or anxious or stressed, sometimes depressed, we tend to turn to food to sort of cope or bring some pleasure. So food sometimes is viewed as a pleasure or as a coping mechanism to feel better. Now, my tip here would be, I really want you to bring a lot of mindfulness and reflection to where, to what, what is the intention of eating if you're going to turn to food? Is it really going to actually solve the problem that if you're depressed, is it going to really make you feel happier for the long term? Because that might help on the short term, one hour, maybe 30 minutes or maybe less. And then you sort of go back to your same, to the same mindset, the same emotions. So it's bringing that reflection. One, if I do this, will this allow with my goals? Like if you're currently trying to lose weight, or trying to stay fit uh, or in shape, and you know that this probably, the, the, the selection or the choice is not the healthiest, whether that actually aligns with what you want to achieve. And if it's actually worth it, and you negotiate with yourself, and the answer is, well, this is my goal, but I actually want this, and you have reflected on this, and you're happy with your decision, that's fine, because you're in control of your decisions, and if you're happy with that, go for it. But I don't want you to do, come back later and feel guilty about it. If you take the decision to do something, own it, embrace it, enjoy it, make the most out of that decision, take the most pleasure out of it, and move on. And that's it. And sometimes the best, the, the best thing to do is if you're going to have something that you really want and, in, and want to enjoy, make sure you put all your senses onto it. And you actually take every piece of chocolate or every piece, or every mouthful, and you taste it, you smell it, you put all your senses. And you realize sometimes that at the, at the first fourth or fifth bite, because you have got so much pleasure, you start feeling like the rest of the bites are not as tasty or they don't give you the, as much pleasure. So it's a, you actually can tell yourself, you know what? This is not a safety as I was thinking um, because this, my goal is this one. I, I am good now. So I actually enjoyed it. I gave myself, myself unconditional permission to have something that I really enjoy, but now I'm good. So you can sort of 
have the self, yourself unconditional permission to have whatever you want, but at the same time being able to enjoy, make the most out of it, and say enough, or being able to stop when you already have found that no longer you will find pleasure if you keep going. So when you, you're able to do that consciously, you reduce the chances for yourself to feel guilty about it or blame yourself of being uh, unable to stop when you needed to stop. And sometimes it's just being able to say, I did enjoy this and I feel good about it. And you move on. And then because you gave yourself permission, you have no longer that mental craving that you have to have it. You start thinking about it all the time and you start looking at the fridge or looking at the cover. It's in there. It is calling me. No, it's not calling you anymore because you gave yourself permission to have it and you no longer need it. I always talk about the relationship when, when, when the restriction um, and the, the re your relationship with food and how it relates to uh, when you start dating someone at the very first the very first few dates, you, you, because sometimes you just met them and sometimes there are like some uh, prohibited uh, rules yeah. or you can just uh, stay with them or like you feel like you want to be with them all the time. And it's that passion, that sort of need to stay with them. But then you marry with the same person and because they are there for you all the time, it becomes instead of being novelty it becomes something more common more habitual and it doesn't mean they worth they were their worth is less or that they are not significant you don't love them it doesn't mean anything like that it just means that you know that they are available for you that they are there for you and you have the conditional time to spend time with them so i don't know if that makes sense that does, sort of yeah. relation that i'm doing but it's the same with food. So when, if we know that the food is all allowed, uh, that you can have them when you want, that you have the permission to say whether it aligns with your goals and you want to have them, or whether you can just wait for another day that actually can be more worth it. When you take, you own those decisions and you have the power in your hands to say what you want to do, you no longer crave or like obsess about food anymore because the power is back to you rather than on the restriction. Does that make sense? It does. It absolutely does. Um, I just recently I brought up this example. It's exactly with in line with what you're saying. I had a friend who gave up smoking after I think it was 10 years of smoking and I was talking to her about it and she said, I tried to give it up multiple times. It never worked. And do you know what actually worked for me? I told myself every day, you'll have a cigarette. You can have a cigarette at the end of the week. You know, you, you're not giving up smoking for good. You'll have a cigarette. She said when she had that in her head that she can have a cigarette at the end of the week, like she's not really giving it up cold turkey forever. She was at the end of the night, she was like, I don't really crave it because I can't have it. It's when it's forbidden fruit that it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It's really, it, it has power over me. So I know exactly. I love the example of the kind of the dating and the marriage. That's a really good one as well. Like, uh, that kind of gives an insight to it. Just going back to what you said 
about the making the decision and owning it. I love that too, because just from even my own experience, sometimes if I, you know, you're sitting there watching TV and you're having the battle, will I, will I have the chocolate bar or not? And finally you go in and get it. I, I find myself and people I've worked it, you're eating it, but you're not, you're, you're stressed and you're, you're kind of like shamed that you're eating it and you're actually not present enjoying it. And I think that's how unhealthy relationships start and people are mindlessly eating and then they go to the press again because they didn't satisfy that craving, which brought them to the, the cupboard in the first place. So yeah, I just, I, I love what you said there. Make your decision, ask yourself, are you hungry for it? Will you enjoy it? And if it is, and if you will own it and do it. Yeah. And even if you're not hungry, but you think your decision would be worth it just because you like eating chocolate, for example, um, yeah. That's fine, but I really want to make sure that the decision you, you're making right now is something that makes you happy and not makes you feel guilty. Like the problem is, uh, um, this is, this is start affecting your relationship with food, is when you bring shame and guilt after you eat something. And this also affects people that binge eat. And binge eating is categorized for eating a lot of foods, and then feeling very, shame, very shameful and guilty about it. So the first thing you want to do is making sure you're actually able to bring mindfulness and awareness to it and being able to negotiate with yourself. Because sometimes we forget to talk, talk with ourselves and do these unconscious reflections and bring rational uh, into our thoughts. So sometimes we are just acting irrationally or with impulsively, but we're not really connecting to our rational um, human that is in our head mm. or our actual intentions of bringing, well, all right, this is my impulse, this is my craving, but let me just bring that to my present and let's negotiate. Okay, I want this chocolate, but... Do I really want it? Is it really worth it? Is it actually tasty enough to, for, for me to have more than two pieces? What if I try and have one piece and I actually pay attention to every single time I taste it? What if I just look at it, smell it? You know, bring all these sens sensations and pleasure that you actually that actually starts with bringing and taking the chocolate in your hands and to, touching it looking at it smelling even trying to bring some memories that might relate to that particular food sometimes that's priceless because sometimes I think about certain foods and they bring they bring me back to my past to specific moments of my life that I was spending with my grandma or when she used to cook for me certain things. And it's not just eating something, but actually meaningful because it brings me memories. It brings me a pleasure moment that if I'm depressed or emotional, it actually makes me feel good. So rather than bring some shame and guilt, it actually makes me bring some good things, good, good, good emotions, good feelings, and that's something positive that you can take out of that time. So it's, it's not just uh, sort of calming the craving, but also like nourishing your emotions, nourishing your, your heart, your brain, everything.
Gotcha. Gotcha. Really cool. Really cool. That's uh, that's good stuff. Um, and then, okay. So on that note, sliding forward. Now I was looking at this question. Some of my questions, I just wrote a statement and I was like, what the fuck were you, what are you trying to ask? So I apologize if some of them are a bit weird, but, um, I saw one of your posts and it was the idea of, um, like long-term adherence over short-term perfection or sorry. It's like, what did I, it's basically like the kind of average comfortable diet that you can stick to for a long-term period is much more effective than the perfect diet that you can only stick to for short term. So you mean, you mean consistency over perfection? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> okay. And I think you had a post recently about that, right? Yes. Yeah. And so maybe just, you could just go into that and why it's so important to understand that when you're looking at maybe going on a diet or a weight loss phase or something. Yeah, sure. And this actually is really good because some people get very obsessed about their numbers uh, of following strictly if they have a program they feel like they have to strictly uh, and read uh, like fix their progress into how much they are adhering to their program and how perfect they can do that and sometimes the problem is that because life happens life needs to be is very life is very fluid so things change day by day minute by minute so when you're following something very strict and rigid and your mind is in the same sort of place that you ha you can't be flexible you can't adjust or, or you have to completely be perfect at it that could potentially bring that all or nothing mindset because if you couldn't do a hundred percent, like for, give, let me give you an example. If I gave you, for example, um, a macro target where you have 2000 calories, you have uh, 90 grams of protein, you have 45 grams of, uh, of fat, and then you have hundred grams of carbs. If the person is that, trying to think they have to be perfect, they will try to get all these targets right. If they couldn't meet their protein targets, their calorie targets, and they went over or below, they feel like they failed. And when they feel they failed, they think, you know what? I'm a failure. I couldn't do this today. Fuck it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not worth it. Um, I'm not good enough to be able to stick to this. This is going to, if I can't do it today, how much likely is that I will be able to do it tomorrow? So this brings a sort of a, a, a mind a cycle where you feel like you're not be, going to be able to, to do it because like some, some days are going to be good, some days are going to be bad. And if there are consecutive, consecutively, consecutively, you see days that are bad and you're not able to meet your targets, then you completely say, this is not for me. I'm not going to be able to do it. Whereas when you sort of aim for consistency and have a more flexible approach to it, you're able to say, well, 
I could I couldn't meet my target, but I'm close. I'm very close to it, and I will be try to do my best tomorrow. But if I don't, I still around the same target. So it's not about looking at how perfect can I be, but how close and how consistent can I be day to day. So I think that's more important because it sort of gives you the power and the confidence that you don't have to necessarily hit 100% your targets, but more how consistent can you be on whatever program you, you are doing right now that can bring you some level of change. So that comes back to if you're aiming for a calorie deficit, but your calorie deficit, uh, instead of uh, reaching the 1200 calories, for example, not saying that I'm promoting that, but like, let's say that someone was on a 1200 calories, but they reach 1300 calories, that is still good. Like, okay, that's fine. You weren't able to, strictly do the 1200 calories you went over 100 calories more that's fine let's see how you do tomorrow mm -hmm. sometimes the problem seems to be that the program that has been given to someone is not adequate for what they need some mm -hmm. people want something but it's not necessarily something that they can adhere to is for example i have when I'm reversing some clients and you're giving them cer certain targets, if they are continuously struggling with uh, their diet or they're wanting to eat more, but their diet doesn't allow them to eat more, and they can go in on a binge one day and they continuously going out of track, that means that you as a coach need to address their calorie intake rather than trying to force them to be perfect. So it's more like that sort of two-way communication on how the client is doing and how you respond to adjust to find a, a, middle, a middle ground or a better place where you can ensure better adherence. But at the end of the day, adherence comes back to what suits best for you and what are you able to stick to consistently so that always is a tricky place for some people that seems to be or or i do it or uh, my hundred percent like if i don't crush diet i can't just do it like as a, a, a regular soft um moderate deficit diet no so because people is like if I want to go in, I'm all in, but small and with patience and the slow progress, that doesn't work for me. So it is really important to figure out those type of those those type of people or clients that trying to rush too much into certain results actually can bring long long term backlash, and sometimes it is worse to try to rush into things because then their body's going to sort of try to compensate by give, giving them that sort of, mm, I don't like this, I'm going to slow down, metabolic adaptation, binging, things like that. So it is, it is sort of a difficult place to be when you're trying to 
find what's the best place for each client to be according to their goal. But that's where you have to sort of negotiate. So back to your question, being consistent is an adherent is all about trying to find that middle ground where you're able to have and bring more flexibility and being able to adjust as you go rather than feeling like, or you hit this or you're a failure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I did a course in precision nutrition and one of the first parts of the coaching module was start your clients off with the easiest task for the first week. Like drink a glass of water before every meal, something that they can achieve with ease uh, because, and I'm a firm believer of this momentum is like one of the major ingredients for like long-term adherence to something like I always say going to the gym for the seventh day in a row is so much easier than going for the first day, your first day in a long time, you know, because you have that six days behind you. You feel like you're actually progressing. You know what I mean? It's like, um, but I have a follow on question for you for those people. Cause I know this is such a interesting topic. Now, a lot of people identify as having obsessive personalities where they have to go all or nothing, or they just like, I've worked with so many people that are, they, they tell me I can't, do a moderate diet. I have to do all or nothing, no shit food, nothing. They say shit food in Ireland, that's what, or shite food we call it. I can't do anything or I'll, I'll fall back and I'll just kind of go all out. I know you say cater to different personalities, but like, I don't think I would ever, even to them, I would try and kind of get them to take a step back and be a bit more moderate, even though it's easier said than done. So what would your kind of recommendations be towards those people that identify as very obsessive? I have uh, currently have few clients like that. And what I tend to do is I actually negotiate with them and I actually tell them, all right, I want you to reflect back on how many times you have been on a diet and you failed. How many times have you go back to feel like you're actually not meeting your, your targets because you are trying to be so restrictive, but at the end of the day, you failed or you're going over your macros because that's not enough food for you and you feel like you're still very hungry. So sometimes they, uh, that, those questions make makes them realize that their approach hasn't been the right thing uh, or the best, the best decisions they've done. And it's, it's, very, it's very challenging, but at the same time, you got to be the coach that shows them another perspective and not so much just because they're paying you, you got to do what they're asking you to do. So if you really care for your client health, uh, your, their mental health, their relationship with food, and actually achieve uh, a result that is going to be sustainable, you need to talk to them about what has worked in the past and why that worked and same with what hasn't worked and why it, it didn't work in the past. And sometimes these, these talk, these conversations bring that awareness of their, to your clients to say, yeah, I actually did that, but it didn't work. So why would it work right now? So if you did crash dieting before, it didn't work why it didn't work what, how, what, how was your mindset your relationship with food your mental health 
in that situation. If that worked for you in the past, great. Let's do it again and see how you, how you go about it. I'm always prone to say, if you, if you want to try something, at least try it in the, within the safe environment. So if, you, if you're working with me, I can sort of see what things are right, what things are not so, like are flagging me that they might not be right. And if you want to do a, a cut or lose fat, well, let's plan something that is um, attainable, but maybe we should implement some diet breaks, some refit, so we can protect your mindset, your mental health, um, your relationship with food, just giving you some break from the diet, um, some sort of mental uh, flexibility as well, and more enjoyment at certain points. So you make the diet more enjoyable. The journey is much easier for you to achieve the goal. And sometimes these negotiations help the client to say, all right, so uh, you're, uh, you're sort of um, telling me that I can still do and achieve the results I want, but you're going to put some elements from your side that are going to allow me to do this in a much better place. So it is tricky. The answer is very tricky because it really, it really comes to the client, their, their past experiences, what has worked, what hasn't worked, why did, did that work, why that didn't work, and how can you do best uh, reshape of that intervention or that strategy for them to for, for them to see a result and also be happy to be heard or being able to find something that is going to work for them. And if you think there's something that's not going to work for them, you give them a week and say, well, let's, let's try this for a week and see how you feel. We can change it anytime. I'm here to, to support you. We can adjust anything you need to adjust, but let's make sure you're completely honest about how you feel. I'm very mindful and let's just write down how you feel after your meal, everything. Let's do some more tracking uh, on different things, different elements and see how it goes. And if it doesn't work, we change it. So it, it, really, it really comes back to each client. It's very, it's very dependent or on the situation, the, the results that they want to achieve and also their past experiences. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that's well put. Um, but yeah, so there's I've definitely worked with a lot of people, but you hit on something. So I know we have a whole second part of this podcast to go into like organic and artificial sweeteners. So what I might do is, because I'm mindful it's we're already an hour and 10 minutes in, maybe we'll push that for a few weeks later and we could do that again. That's fine. Yeah. yeah and we can just, cause, cause you brought up uh, diet breaks. And so that was a question I had uh, scheduled as well. So obviously, thank God the idea of cheat meals and cheat days are kind of a thing. They're being kind of a thing of the past now as people are kind of being more uh, awake and knowledgeable about this evidence-based movement in nutrition and that cheat days don't really have much impact, but diet breaks, like well-structured and planned diet breaks can. And so maybe if you could just um, differentiate between a cheat meal or a cheat day 
and a diet break and then why a diet break can be beneficial for, I suppose we'll go again to like a, a restricted diet, like a calorically restricted diet, so a weight loss diet. Yeah, okay. I'm going to define three terms. Um, this one is diet breaks, refeeds, and cheat days. And refeeds and diet breaks are purposely planned times or periods where you increment the calories to what is your current maintenance calories. So what that means is that you're allowed to go back from where you are currently dieting at to your current maintenance calories. So that is saying we're going to go back to a number of calories that will allow you to eat more calories, but maintain maintain the way you're, you're currently at. So there's not gonna be further weight loss, but it shouldn't have, you shouldn't experiment either weight gain. And between refits and diet breaks, the time frame is pretty much what, it makes, what makes a difference. The refits are usually one to three days of eating at maintenance. And usually what you do is eating a little bit more carbohydrates um, overall. So you can actually replenish your glycogen stores. You can train harder. You can feel better. And you can have a little bit of a, a refreshment from the, the, the little amount of calories you have uh, when you're dieting. With diet breaks, is pretty much the same concept when it comes to refits, but it is in a longer period of time. So you're aiming for um, to be at maintenance or a little bit uh, slightly above that within perhaps uh, more than four days. That could be a week, that could be two weeks, and sometimes could be either three weeks or, or more. So, but what it means is that this diet breaks, what allows is pretty much to do the same thing. It's ba basically allowed to get you out of that dieting groove and get you a break. And this break nowadays, and after talking to uh, a big uh, sort of big people out there in the, the fitness community, um, like um, Bill Campbell, uh, I've spoken with Jackson Pierce that he is actually doing research on diet breaks, Menno Hanselman. All of them have sort of t taken the approach that diet breaks are helpful, but no, no longer, there is no longer that hype that actually reduces metabolic adaptation or give you like physiological effects. The diet breaks and refits have uh, more uh, psychological effects and a better impact on adherence more than anything else. So that allows you to train harder, perhaps just mentally rest from uh, a restricted diet. Uh, it allows you to sort of be able to eat more carbohydrates in your life a little bit more, especially if like you can feed it fit that in into a holiday or like a, a, a weekend with your family or something like that, that really helps to sort of make the transition or the journey of dieting much easier and much more enjoyable. Now, it doesn't mean like it is to go and eat free for all. And that's what is the difference uh, between that and cheat meals. 
cheat meals in the in the first place i don't like it and i think a lot of people would agree with me that cheat meals have that that negative connotation that you cheat in your diet so it's like you're doing something uh prohibited mm. or bad so that sort of that for the first place that negative con connotation can sort of bring bring that sensation that you are you it is the only time you can do it and because you this is the only time you can cheat your diet because the other days you can't add those uh, those foods in a smaller amounts to fit your 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 diet and your calorie budget then you have to have it at some point massive amounts and this is like going crazy and sometimes these cheat, cheat days become a massive binge yeah now some people are good with the cheat meals, but they these these people are huge. They are uh, they have lots amounts of uh, muscle. They train really hard. They it's different because they are able to sort of go have a big meal, but they actually have bright lines as well. Like I'm gonna have a lot of food. I'm gonna enjoy it, but I'm not gonna have guilt. I'm happy with my decision, and the next day, I'm good, I'm training, I'm doing things like that, um, and I, I go back to my normal life, I, and I don't have sort of that ongoing cheat all the time. So it's just like one meal, huge meal, I enjoy it, I make the most out of it, the next day, I'm going back on track. So depending on the connotation and the way you implement it, you can call it cheat day, but it probably is more like a high day where you sort of allow in more calories than normal. Um, and I, and I like, for example, Paul Cotter, uh, Paul Cotter um, is one of those who every Friday he goes and he have a massive cheat meal and he calls cheat meal. I think it is with his, his wife or his, his daughter. I don't know who is it, but they have, like he posts in Instagram lots of plates and, and like pizza, cake, donuts. And this is it's just massive. It's like, wow, this is probably like 7,000 7, or 10,000 calories. I have no idea. But he trains really, really hard. And he explained me that during the week, he actually diets really well and pretty hard. So he sort of, found a place a happy place where he can enjoy himself one time a week he enjoys everything he eats he and then he's he doesn't feel like guilt or mentally affected by it and the next day he's back on track he's fine he trains better he trains harder and he's ready to go for the next week so it's sort of a refuel day for him to sort of get back on on his hard training. Some people that struggle with binge eating, emotional eating, this mindset probably is not the right approach. So it really comes to back to each individual and what's their relationship with food. And for some people it might not be even appropriate to add high days or uh, diet breaks because for them might be uh, a disruption in, in their mind. It's like, if I'm doing this right, this could be a disruption um, that could lead to a bigger binge because they sort of feel like they have, they're allowing 
to increase uh, foods that are increasing high are increased in in a lot of carbohydrates so it's sort of i can't understand that for some people could be more like a trigger to have permission to have a lot of different things that might sort of increase their hunger levels mm. so they prefer so just to keep the groove of the dieting phase until they're finished and they can just go back on track uh, or like a maintenance phase but this is and because the evidence shows that diet breaks or refits are not really um, like a physiolo doesn't don't have a, a, a really meaningful physiological effect if you add the diet break or not you will still see good results so you only use this in people that can benefit from it and you're going to find that the effects are going to be positive and beneficial at the end of the, the dieting phase for some people you don't have the luxury to add weeks for example if you're having doing working for towards a contest prep maybe you don't have enough weeks for prepping and adding diet breaks so it makes it too long of a prep but some people can actually uh, plan for it and do a longer prep so it really depends but at the end of the day you can implement these are tools that are useful to implement for certain people to allow for better adherence and better relationship with food at the end of the day better workouts but they don't mean that if you don't implement it you're going to have worse outcomes does that make sense mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I, that was very, very well explained, the three different terms. Um, when I was younger, I, I remember doing this thing called anabolic fasting. My friend told me about it where it was like intermittent fasting mixed with uh, basically a ketogenic diet. And on the weekend, you had to go all out binge. And I was, the rationale was you shock your metabolism into not, reducing and like this is before i ever went into my nutritional studies or anything like that i was very young so um i think the point you said is so important to understand that if you are implementing a refeed uh diet break or a cheat meal or day understand that it's probably not for physiologic advantage it's mainly for psychological you know break um and i remember i know you've written an article or two for alan in his research review and I remember he put one of the first ones I've, I read of his was uh, he looked at the idea of a cheat day and basically the idea that people think is it's going to increase your um, your basal metabolic rate if you have a few thousand more calories on one day and it's going to jack that right up so that you know you're not burning less calories and so basically he writes so well and he basically said yeah well the basal metabolic rate was increased by 10 calories a day, uh, but the person consumed 4,000 more calories. So, <laughs> I mean, you're majoring in the minors there. And that's yeah. like, you know, yeah, you might increase your basal metabolic rate a few calories, but you just consumed enough that that increase won't burn that off for weeks. So, yeah. Um, I think and that's, that's really transient as well. Yeah. That's transient yeah. as well, because obviously, um, Calories in affect calories out. So 
if you eat more calories, your body is going to compensate by being more inefficient with the calories. So you're more likely to expend more calories uh, that, it, that from the thermic effect of feeding or even by moving more or fidgeting so your needs goes up or because you feel so good that you might be able to train harder. Mm. So that's probably where you sort of can compensate or feel like you are, if you have a cheap meal, you're going to have a, a higher energy expenditure and that energy expenditure shows into those, those effects and, and those things, but they are just going to respond to that increase of calories. Now, once you go back to your dieting phase, everything goes back to their basal state. So, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So I think that is a good place to hop off and I'll let you get to bed because I know you're, it's late there. Um, I don't know if you had a chance, but did you have a chance to, I'm starting this new thing where you know how Danny Lennon on Sigma, I don't know if you listen to Sigma nutrition podcast. Do you, have you heard of no, that? Not, no, no, no. Yes. I know what is it, but, uh, I, I wish I could have time to do I everything. Know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't but, listened to it in a while now, but he does this little sign off where he's like, what's one tip you would give someone. So I've kind of like done my own thing and it's just like one quote that you, that you quote. enjoy. Okay. Mm. This one is going to, that is, is one that I always say ever since I heard once and is live, love, learn, and laugh. That's I it. like that. That's life. Yeah. Um, so you want to be able to live, but also you want to be within your life. You want to be learning, laughing, and and actually living so it's like live love learn and that put together is that the, my three l's i i love it i don't know maybe it's silly but i like it and you have to be able to laugh at yourself as well at the end of that i uh that's that's perfect yes yeah yeah um that's great so astrid and then maybe we'll hop on sometime in the future in a few weeks or months or whatever and we can hit that second aspect because uh yeah there's like a there's like a whole other side of that, but I think we got some really good stuff there and it was all kind of focused in a specific topic. So yeah. So, Oh wait, hold on. Where can we find all your stuff? So where oh, well, are you like your channel and your, your website and any, any yeah. kind of like resources you have? Well, you can find me, uh, obviously in my Instagram anti-diet dietitian. Um, also I have an Instagram in the Spanish. So that's the, Nutri your I don't even know now. Uh, coach coach nutritional. Okay. I'll tag you. I'll you find me. Yeah, yeah. And I'll put that all in the show notes if you send them to me. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one is my website that I sort of a bit slow in there, but I'm sort of building up slowly. So that is a street uh like a minus dietitian dot com. Okay. I was trying to find and, it today. It took me a while, but I found it. So I'll tag that as well. Oh, and my YouTube channel that I just oh, yeah. like, I think two months or a little bit more slowly building that up. But yeah, so find me in my YouTube channel as well. And as I die a dietitian? Yeah, or just Astrid Naranjo my, with my name. You gotcha. might be able to find me there. I'll, okay. I'll, I don't know. I'll send you the link. As well. Send them to me and I'll tag them. <laughs> Um, that's great. So yeah, we'll leave it there and thank you so much for coming on.
My pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. So there you go. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. We had great crack. And by great crack, I mean, I feel like I have to say it, being in America, fun. Crack is a Irish colloquial term for fun, not the hard drug. But anyway, I quickly want to get a plug in, but first I will, I still haven't gotten to develop my show notes page on the website. So for now, you're just going to have to go to the bio of this episode on whatever platform you're listening to. ACAS, Spotify, Apple, and I'll have all of the links that Astrid has sent me and the Instagram, YouTube, website, Spanish Instagram, they'll all be there so you can go check her out and I really, really do recommend checking her out. All her content is very, very understandable uh, to the lay population so for you guys that aren't involved in nutritional research or academia, it's very well tailored to you. Um, So yeah. Okay, the quick plug is this new platform I've launched alongside a colleague, Evan Lynch. He came on the podcast and he will be the next guest on the podcast where we just talk about research in general uh, in the world of nutrition and, you know, maybe some of the shortcomings, some of the things to be aware of uh, and just some uh, basic tools for dissecting or reading a research study yourself. But the platform is called Research Bytes. You can find that on, on Instagram at Research Bytes or our web site is research-bytes.com and basically what we do is each week we upload one article each so two in total one from Evan one from myself to the platform and it's a two to three page article summarizing a study within the world of performance nutrition and you know we kind of veer outside that we'll hit sleep we'll hit hydration things like that but yeah um, so you get eight articles a month and the price is 11 euro uh, or the dollar or pound equivalent of that a month. So it ultimately works out at less than a coffee, less than a price of a coffee a week. And there'll be a bunch of additional resources in. We're working on bringing maybe uh, video summaries in. Um, you'll get recipes, you'll get, we're going to have some experts come in. But yeah, I definitely recommend getting on that. Um, so you can just go to the website or my own Instagram or uh, the Research Bites Instagram for that. But anyway, hope you enjoyed this episode and there's plenty more to come. I have plenty more guests as well. Thank you so much and have a fantastic day. <laughs>